0: you're listening to the Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schram. Welcome to the show. All right, so back here with uh, another conversation about creation with Emily. Again, we're kind of just to recap a little bit, going through a discussion about like what's with the age of the earth. So a while back, like when we first started talking, we were looking at, bigger questions like cosmological questions and why anything and why what we have and what does the future look like and that sort of led into a discussion of starting to talk more tactically and practically about what christians actually believe about creation and how there are different uh views of that and different people see things in different ways and you know who's right and and does the bible speak to the age of the earth does it does it not does it matter whether or not it does? And then finally what does the science have to say if anything uh, about this question? And so um we, we for the past couple weeks then we've dealt with sort of an explanation of the different views and then uh, we were off last week but the week before last we talked about um the history of this question and and basically how Christians for you know the first few thousand years of of, of Jewish and Christian you know, history, there was really no meaningful debate about this question. I mean, there were, there were differing views, but they all sort of assumed the young creation timeline until you got to the, you know, 1700s when modern theories of geology were beginning to be developed and Christians and non-Christians alike started latching on to these, um, Ideas and suddenly the the pattern of of recognizing the the Bible as being historically accurate all the way back even to its first few chapters um, is is something that is questioned uh, again of course in non Christian circles but now starting to be questioned in Christian circles as well so so we talked a lot about the why up to this point and um, and the what of, of sort of just stating the basic ideas but now we're going to d- dive into Really, the main thrust of the of the issue, and and I, I think the best way to characterize this is this. Um, I I can never remember if it's an acrostic or an acronym or whatever it is, but but it's the word adam and I think that it it helpfully summarizes, um, the most important pieces of this puzzle. I really like to simplify things. I'm I came up with this. That's not to say that it's the right way to think about it, but I do think it's an interesting way to think about it and an easy way to um organize the information you know so um, so the, the first piece of the puzzle then the a um, is the accuracy of the biblical account the the accuracy of the biblical account. so they they're the young earth creationist, you know especially very popular young Earth creationist argument is going to go something like, well, if you can't trust what 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 God said seems to you know be clearly put, in the early chapters of genesis then how can you be sure how how can you be trusting of what god says what what the bible says elsewhere in scripture now i have my my qualms with how that is is put and how it is typically argued especially by mainstream creationists um even you know even those i i agree with because um it's 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 actually, and this this gets maybe a little bit more technical than I I really want to go down, but it's actually not the case that uh, if one, even if it was, if it turned out that one part of the Bible could not be trusted, um, it's not necessarily the case that that means another part of the Bible could not be trusted. It depends on your view of of, of God, and and it depends on your view of inspiration. I mean, there are good, very conservative christian people who actually don't believe the doctrine of inerrancy is necessarily true in other words they would allow for there to to be um errors in the bible of a certain of a certain nature um and and uh, no i don't i don't i'm not one of them i don't believe that i do believe that inerrancy is the case but but again there are some people who do not necessarily believe that and and yet they're they're not violating some fundamental um premise of scripture itself i mean scripture says that you know god god keeps his promises but that doesn't mean that every necessarily every word of scripture is going to be accurate in in all of its possible um senses but now uh, you know somebody who wants to argue for this position would probably turn usually to a couple different places that i'm aware of um remembering off the top of my head here, one would be they would point to uh, Satan and Eve in the garden. And in the garden, when, when Satan was tempting Eve and wanting her to, to eat of the tree, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, um, he said, uh, he questioned God. What he did was he, he took God's words and said, yea, hath, hath God said. I mean, did, did did God really say that you couldn't eat from the fruit of every tree? You know, he was twisting God's words and making Eve question God. So that's 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 one point of this. And so they the 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 young earth creationist says something to the effect of, well, are you, you know, are are you putting yourself in that position of questioning God by saying that he could have gotten things wrong or 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 whatever they wanted to, to argue. And then another piece of that would be they would go to um Jesus in a uh, conversation that he had in the New Testament, of course, and and the conversation was uh, basically like, well, if, if you don't if if you don't believe me when I tell you earthly things, then how are you going to believe me when I tell you of heavenly things? And 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 so they will use that in conjunction with something like Mark ten six with which says that um, God created male and female um, in the beginning. And the the point of the young earth creationist, again, without going all into the argument, the point of the young earth creationist is, well, if Adam and Eve were created in the beginning and on an evolutionary or old age timescale, the creation of Adam and Eve is is billions of years after the creation of, uh, after the, the very beginning of the universe, the creation of the earth and the world, then how does that make sense? How can you say that they're at the beginning if there's such a huge time gap there. And um, so so that is the main thrust, I think, of a young Earth creationist view on why it is um, uh, important that we take these early chapters of Genesis as being literal history. Now, now to kind of underscore that a little bit, I, I think I mentioned this in the previous episodes, but I feel like I should probably mention it again. Um it, it again. It's no longer controversial. For a while, it was, but it, not anymore. It's no longer controversial for someone to to make the claim that biblical writers and authors and people, you know, the original audience, um, they really would have understood the Bible to be making many of these claims that the young Earth creationist makes. Be it creation in six literal, you know, solar Earth rotation days, or uh, even to the uh, effect of the genealogies, people adding up, you know, the genealogies, um, in, which we're going to talk about in a minute uh, in Genesis five and eleven, and, and and using those combined with what we know of history from um, even outside of the Bible to to come up with a time scale of about six to seven thousand years for creation. Um, again, it's no longer controversial to say that the church believed this for many, many thousands of years. This was this was the prevailing view, and so, right, the young Earth creationist wants to know why then does modern science get to change our understanding of the Bible? Right, that's the question. Why does modern science get to change our our understanding of the Bible? Now. And when it comes to that question, um, you know, that there's some interesting directions that you could you could go with that. The old earth creationist, remember back to our first um, conversation, the old age creationist and the no age creationist might answer that question differently. The old age creationist might say, well, you know, God is the author of the scriptures and the author of science. And, you know, to, to use a little bit loose terminology. basically. It, it, it's God's word and God's world. And so those things should match up together. But again, when we when we do that, we still have to assign a priority to a piece of evidence, right? It's, it's, it's because if the evidence conflicts, if the evidence for the age of the earth in the Bible conflicts with the evidence for the age of the earth in scripture, only one of them can be right. So we have to change our understanding of the other one. And the old age creationist, I don't, again, I don't know why this is why. I mean, this is why I'm not an old age creationist, but the old age creationist in that scenario chooses science. And again, I am not, I'm not putting words in their mouth. I mean, I'm, I'm, this is what, this is, this is what, what they will say, right? They, they, they say it, it makes more sense that we're right about the science and that we should alter our understanding of the biblical account. Maybe we got the biblical account wrong. Um in in the way that we understood it. again, this is this is the kind of claim that they will make about the the priority of uh, science over scripture. and 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 to me, that just doesn't make any 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 logical sense because scripture is special revelation, whereas science is general revelation, right? So there is there is a a, a general sense of information that we get looking at the world. God created Romans 1 even talks about this Psalm 19 talks about this we we look to the heavens and we're like oh my goodness there's you know there's a there's these planets and there's these stars and there's these you know uh, um, in ancient times they would think of them even as heavenly beings and it's like God was the creator like there had to be a God like and and we now, especially with our modern knowledge I mean um, Stephen Myers the return of the God hypothesis would be an excellent book for anybody to read on this um and he's an id uh intelligent design guy right he believes big bang and, and all of that stuff but but the book is fantastic because it talks about um the um basically evidence for god in what we see in the universe now he was also a the writer of a book called signature in the cell which so his, his latest book kind of looks at it from a cosmic level but uh the book he's probably most known for signature in the cell again looked at the smallest level that pretty much we can understand that is that is you know basically dna and um how there is evidence for specified complexity it's called and and an intricate design and even language in the dna that makes all of our all of our bodies uh work so now you know living in the modern age we can we can now more than ever understand um that uh, uh, the evidence for for God even from general revelation and yet we wouldn't we wouldn't really know what to do with that information if it weren't for special revelation if it wasn't for God giving us his word and letting us know how to make sense of the world that is around us and, and so my way of looking at, at at things and I mean I think the proper way of looking at things or else I wouldn't wouldn't think this way, um, is that where, and this, this, this happens, this is true for science. This is true for, um, you know, legalism versus racism. You know, this is true. This is true across the board. If, if the Bible speaks to an issue, then the Bible is right about that issue. If the Bible doesn't speak to an issue, then it's likely there is a, there's going to be some wisdom and decision-making and things involved on how we should handle that. But, but where the Bible speaks, we speak where the Bible is silent, we be silent. And that's a, that's a pretty good um, way of looking at things. And, and so the creationist basically to kind of bring it all around wants to argue that, well, God, God had plenty to say about creation and much of it leads to specific information about uh, frankly, timing—the <laughs> timing of events—and um, so because of that, this is an issue where we should pay um, lots of good, you know, lots of lots of close attention to it, and, and and not be not be swayed by arguments that would say we should use science over scripture. Now, one more thing about that, and then I'm going to turn it to you and see if you have any questions, uh, Emily. But um, there there's a there there are two ways of sort of looking at this uh, information, two kinds of authority. There is this idea of magistration, and I forgot the other one. Um, But, but, (laughs) right? But, 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 so the, oh, ministerial, right? That's it. So, so there's, there's, there's magistration and, and ministerial. So, the, there's a relationship between the data of science and the scriptures here. And the question is, which one of them has a magisterial authority over the others? And which one can ministerially, um, in other words, minister to, can can serve the data of the magistrate? So which one is the magistrate? Which one governs the interpretation? Do we use science to um, magistrate over scripture, or do we use scripture to magistrate over science? And so some people would basically, even if they wouldn't admit it or wouldn't want to put it this way, um, what they are buying into is the idea that scripture is is only ministerial to science and that science actually magistrates over scripture. So this would be the view that you could take um the 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 word of a scientist uh, who has ex- credentialed in their field, et cetera, and where the Bible conflicts with what they say, you could you could use the Bible to aid in your understanding of that, but you could never overrule the the biblical or you can never overrule the scientific you know mind or consensus or idea on this particular thing whereas when it's the other way around and scripture tells us how to interpret what we see in the world scientifically that is the view that i think is the most accurate again so it's in accordance with this idea of where the bible speaks we speak where the bible is silent we're silent if the bible has an opinion on something um then the bible is right like that's the that's pretty much the basic assumption of most Christians. And I think it's, you know, an accurate one uh, because God is the creator. He was there. He, you know, he moved the writers to say what they needed to say. Why would he have people speak to a situation seemingly definitively and or authoritatively and then not mean for that to be taken authoritative later? And all throughout scripture, it's just, again, it's, it's, it's just a natural thing that the, the written instruction from God's word is clearer than the kind of interpretive work we have to do when we look out into the night sky and try to try to make sense of what we're looking at and then formulate it down on paper. There's more steps. It's more mushy. It's more gooey. There's, there's a lot to understand, whereas we can look at propositional statements in scripture that are clear and come away with an understanding of how to look at the natural world um, around us. So that's kind of an introduction. To, to, to at least why creationists care about the accuracy of the of the biblical account and how some others might respond to that do you have any thoughts or, or questions on that so far
1: yeah the only thing the only question that popped up was um when you're talking about no age creationists who claim to be Christians yeah and and you use the word that that, that they they can make the statement like got the biblical account wrong yeah which kind of which kind of baffles me um that someone who, who has a book that they believe which is the bible yeah but can claim that a part of it is wrong do they there's no way that they they claim that it's wrong they just mesh it so it makes more sense for them or, or do they actually claim that there's discrepancies in the bible
0: there are degrees of views on this um it's very it's very much a spectrum um, rather than, rather than black and white, um, but you do, you absolutely have some people who, who will claim to be a Christian, and at the same time will simultaneously claim that, that the, the Bible could be factually incorrect about something that it says. Um, now, now, whether or not they actually are Christians, I mean, that's not my, I can't judge that, right? I have, I have no idea. I'm just telling you like that, that they believe that in their in their faith life, they can be a Christian and yet have doubts that a part of the Bible is true. This is what they claim. You know, can can can, can that actually be the case? You know, I don't know. I'm not God. I do know that a lot of people who I've had genuine interaction with and, and, and even seen them interacting from afar and stuff, um, you know, I'm not talking about people who, I mean, I'm talking about people who really love the Lord um, or who really seem to love the Lord. And so it's, when you look at their Christian life and their Christian witness and their Christian testimony, it would be awfully hard to claim that guy's not a Christian just because in his scholarly world, he has doubts about the authenticity of parts of the Bible for whatever reason. Now, most of the people who fall into this, again, this no age camp especially, are going to latch on to this uh, um this idea that that it's not that the Bible is wrong in what it intends to teach. It is factually wrong, again, according to them, um, in the sense that it was being written by people with a pre-scientific worldview, and so they were they said things that were that could not be taken as being literally true, um, even though the theological point that they were making was accurate and, and correct. And so, one of the best uh, critiques of this uh, view, oh, it's been a while since I read it, uh, but it was written by uh, a guy who is, ironically, he's an old age creationist, but his name is Vern Poitras. And so, he was sort of writing against this, against the no age creationist view. And he made this distinction in the paper um, of the vehicle versus the cargo. And so... What he what what he what he explains is that people who take this sort of position where the Bible can be in error on certain points, uh, but still be still be true as it relates to the the main point or whatever, the point uh, that that he makes is that they're trying to, um, what's the right way to put it? It's, again, it's vehicle versus cargo. So they're trying to smuggle in um, erroneous, um. um like like a correct a correct bit of cargo or no, a correct vehicle using erroneous cargo. I'm I'm probably not getting this right, but 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 the idea is that one of the two is is wrong and the other one is is right. And simult the Bible is kind of simultaneously balancing balancing that. You you've got this the I guess the erroneous cargo would be the ancient pre-scientific beliefs that people had. But the vehicle is the is the 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 biblical theological truth that the story wanted to tell. So the vehicle is is true, but it's carrying on it some erroneous uh, sort of cargo. And he explains in the paper um, why that is not, and I don't remember necessarily like his reasons to be able to list them out right now, but but he explains in the in the paper why. Um, you know some reasons why this would not be a great way of thinking about uh, the Bible, based on other statements we see in the Bible about how God tends to reveal Himself and and things of that nature. Um, and, and the slick way that um, that people will try to uh, get 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 by this, and I, you know, I'm, I'm sympathetic to it, but I think the way they take it goes too far. Is that the Bible? The Bible is true in all that it intends to teach. Now, I, I believe that as far as it goes, right? The Bible is true as, as far as, you know, as, as in, in what it intends to teach. Um, but I but I don't think you can take that so far, or I don't think you should take that so far as to say that the Bible can be giving you inaccurate information in the meantime. Um, you know, inaccurate information about, about Earth history or about, you know, whatever you know about whatever, I just I just don't think that that it makes sense that God would use um, information. You know, God would give information that was factually incorrect. Now, one reason I'm sympathetic to this is because I, I do, at the same time, want to very clearly, you know, agree that well, it, it, you know, of course, God wasn't. You know, this is why I'm a non-concordist and not a concordist because if god wanted somebody who could lay out the fine you know the finer points of big bang cosmology in the bible then he would have used a 21st century modern person to write the bible but he didn't you know he he used people in ancient you know israel to and and, and surrounding lands to write the bible thousands of years before any sort of you know modern scientific discovery um, what's happening? And so, how do you negotiate that? Well, I mean, there are a couple different ways, but I, I think mostly the Bible is it, it 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 commits itself to information about the truths of history without attempting to commit uh, to um to transmit information about necessarily the truths of science right so if you're so if you're looking at the creation account and you see what day different things were created on or whatever i don't believe the bible is trying to teach us biology it's you know the bible's not a biology textbook biology textbooks change and yet the information as it's laid out is going to have implications for how we understand modern biology And this is something we'll talk about when we get to the science piece but if 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 Creatures were created, different categories of creatures were created on different days of creation, for example, then they are going to have a fundamental discontinuity of at least one type, but probably more than that, right? Because the Bible talks about how some creatures were created with wings and some people, you know, some creatures crawled on the earth and then some creatures swam in the oceans. And so you've got these categories of creatures that the Bible lays out and creates a a borderline, a difference between them. And yet in the evolutionary scenario, we're all descended from the last common ancestor. And so these things are, 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 they don't have these hard lines. They have a continuous stream of continuity from the last common ancestor to now. So you can sort of see how if we take the biblical account as being literal and factually accurate, you know, God is not trying to teach us how to do biology. But by by discovering, by, by, by seeing how the biblical account is written, we will gain some guidelines and some practices for what sort of things we could include in our biological endeavors as we're discovering the world. And so, right, hopefully it's clear to see how when you look at those early accounts of Genesis, it is going to, how you take that is going to matter for how you understand what's going on in the world uh, around you, you know, in a very practical sense, even if it's not a scientific sense. So, um, so right. I I would want to make the clear cut distinction that there's a different, you know, the Bible's not teaching us science, but the Bible is teaching history, accurate earth history. And insofar as the earth history of the Bible is accurate, it will have implications for science. Does that help to kind of answer the question a little bit?
1: It it does. Absolutely. I mean, just, just, not because I'm I'm trying to judge anybody or anything like that, but I, I would really struggle if I came to a place in my belief where I thought that there were discrepancies in the Bible. So that, that's that's yeah. why that's why I, I would I would struggle in my own faith if if I felt like there were. But sure, I really just just to point something out. I really like the fact how you said how God had ancient people write the Bible. He didn't have 21st century yeah modern knowledge write it. It's almost like sometimes you just assume the Bible was written because mm-hmm. that's when it was all happening, but that's not necessarily true either. God yeah. had it written when he did with purpose. Um, Cause exactly. he could have easily had it written in the 21st century. So yeah. that just opens up a whole bunch of different doors and questions for me in general, but. That
0: yeah. really no, that's the, that. That's good. I mean, a lot of, you know, this is, this is where, and this is one of the things that actually puts me a little more left <laughs> God, you know God forbid I use that word but a little more left of center than some people than others um again most people even if they don't articulate this they're, they they haven't given any more thought to the bible and and, and the development of the bible than to think that basically Whoever invented the you know Lifeway stores let's pretend Lifeway was invented in 1962 basically the, the Bible rained down from heaven you know God sent Bibles down from heaven like manna and populated the bookshelves of Lifeway stores and boom now we have the Bible from God um I'll be honest as a, I can you know I've good enough memory back as a as a small you know growing Christian because I was saved at a young age I mean, I remember thinking silly thoughts kind of like that just because I didn't know how the Bible did come about and how it was written. I really thought, like, I was like, well, how did that happen? Like, did God literally, like, send Bibles down? Like, seriously, I didn't didn't know because nobody ever taught me, and, um... Yeah, it, it just it just that so that really was, and so I think a lot of people grow into their teen and young adult Christian life, even with even as silly as it sounds, with this idea of, of biblical inspiration that is really no more robust than God raining down Bibles on Lifeway stores like Manna, and and that's a problem. And and so like there are a lot of people, just for example, who get bent out of shape if you say that Moses didn't write the Pentateuch. Now they're just like all of these things. There are spectrums of belief on that, okay? I'm in the camp of Moses wrote most of the Pentateuch. Um, but there were obviously some there was obviously some editing done after Moses went off the scene by later scribes whom God also used in the process. Now, for some people, they will get totally bent out of shape if you even bring that up because for some reason Moses according to them, has to have written the Pentateuch, and they'll point to Jesus in the New Testament where he said things, you know, where he calls it the law of Moses and and the law that Moses wrote and things like that. And the thing is, though, like, those, those passages, it's not like I don't know they exist. Of course they exist in the Bible, but they could mean any number of things. It could be the law that Moses mediated. It could be the, you know, the law that, that Moses contributed to or whatever. And so I'm just, I have a big enough view of God to believe that if he wanted a scribe, in the Babylonian exile period, to make an update to something that Moses wrote, which we basically know happened. And again, we're not talking about like changing things. We're talking about like, like, like there are, I mean, it's just there. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, there are literally textual notes in the Bible in the Pentateuch that would have had to have been written by somebody after Moses. Because they they give they give like it's kind of like putting parentheses. It, they give parenthetical information about uh, different pieces, and, and, and they update place names um, mm-hmm. to to make it more accurate for the current readers. They, um, I mean, I mean, heck, somebody at the end of Deuteronomy had to write the part about how how Moses was dead, and you know, all conservatives know that. And it's like, yeah, like I'm I'm, I'm cool if Joshua wrote that, but like let's not get any crazier than that. And so. There are spectrums on these things and, and right so your your belief of how scripture came to be is going to um yeah is going to be affected by these things uh, all right let's let's cover a couple more quick things if we have time um and then we'll wrap it up um so as it relates to the sort of accuracy of the biblical account and and young age creationists taking the view that that we do um how is it you know what are the the things in scripture that allow us to arrive at that view so there are three like you know sort of main ways about you know going about this um one would be you know one of the most obvious would be if it is true that the days of genesis are literal 24-hour days and that they are meant to be understood that way and that that is how the original authors would have understood them and they're not analogies or whatever then um then then there's just no reason not to be a young earth creationist at that point right if you if you take that view and you believe that the God really created in an actual period of 6 days and those you know those days are 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 correct and, and accurate as to what God said happened during those days then you're going to be a young earth creationist i mean that's just it if, if you um i don't know anybody who would for any reason you know Take a take the view that these are six literal days, and then deny young Earth creationism. The closest thing I'm aware of to that is the progressive creationist uh, Hugh Ross, and what he contends is that there are four different literal meanings in Hebrew of the word yom. Now, I I don't I don't personally know of a Hebrew scholar alive today. Um, <coughs> pardon me, who who believes that. <laughs> Um, and there was one, I forget his name, um, Walter something, I think Kaiser, Walt Kaiser, maybe who was sort of in cahoots for a while with Ross and may still be. And frankly, I don't even know if he's still alive. Um, but who, who kind of like, he was a Hebrew scholar who kind of like supported him in, in that position. But I've, I've literally never heard another Hebrew scholar make that argument at all. And as I explained a few weeks ago, um, most Hebrew scholars are of the opinion that even if they didn't. Um, even if God didn't mean that it it, it should literally be taken this way, um, the Hebrews believed that it, that it was. The Hebrews believed that it was at least based on a template of a 24-hour day, if nothing else. And so the other problem with that is that in the text itself, um, the word yom, uh, which is the biblical Hebrew word for day, uh, it, it's actually defined... In the passage, right? So the passage defines it for us, and, and the author defines it three different times, basically three different ways. Um, one definition is the first half of the day, so like daylight, uh, or technically uh, would be kind of well, I guess it would be this parts of the first and second half of the day, but basically the, the twelve-hour period of of, of daylight um, that's described in Genesis one. Then a a full day is defined because it says an eve the evening. In the morning were the second day, the evening and the morning were the third day, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And so it's like, okay, well, well <laughs> like now, now you have to back up and say that evening and morning don't really mean what they are. They're the cl- And so, again, some people have argued this well, it's talking about the close of epochs, and it's like, bruh, bruh, it doesn't say the close of epochs, it's talking about this, it's, it's, it's light and dark. I mean, it's talking about. Daytime and nighttime, evening and morning. Like anybody would understand it. Like, like there are no hoop, you know hoops to jump through here. So, okay, anyway, I digress. So the passage defines it for us. There's a third way as well. It's technically in Genesis um uh two three. Is it is it two three or two four? Uh or two one. I don't know. I can never remember. Um, but in one of those, basically, the um the 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 biblical writer summarizes the um um, the, the period of time that God took to create as a, as a day, sort of like you might say something like back in my father's day, you know, something like that. So there's different ways to use the word day. The biblical writers are aware of this and they define in context what they mean when they mean it. So, um, it's pretty hard, I think, to, to get around that. Um, okay, so the next piece of the puzzle that you would use is the, uh, the genealogies of Genesis 5 and 11. And these have actually been called even chrono genealogies. Now, this is really interesting. Um, there are um, most genealogies in the Bible are not meant to be used to give any sort of literal chronological information. Um, they are typically designed for the purpose of communicating something theological. Again, this is this is very uncontroversial. Everybody knows this. I mean, you've got you've got you've got genealogies in in Matthew and I think Luke that that disagree, and the is it Matthew and Luke anyway um, that that disagree w- w- with each other? And it's like, oh, what, why, why, why do these genealogies disagree? I don't understand. If you look at it, one of them is covering Joseph's side of the family, the other one's covering Mary's side of the family. Um, Matthew, because Matthew. Um, skips some people, I think, and maybe even adds one. And and again, these, these are, if you look at the way the text is designed, it's designed that way to communicate specific things. Okay. Not a problem. However, these two genealogies in Genesis five and 11, give us information that make them unlike any other genealogy in the entire known, um, history of the world i mean in in historical ancient near eastern writing we have nothing else like the genealogies of genesis 5 and 11 what they do is is they they communicate chronological information and succession so there's a there is a logic to them that is built off of um um the the information that's there so i just want to read this little excerpt uh that i um I wrote, it's, 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 it's a, it's a paraphrase. I think it's a, it's close to a direct quote, but it's a paraphrase. It's, it's from my blog, uh, from Dr. Kurt Wise talking about this. And so I'm just going to read this. So, um, I think you can make this following case for, uh, well, let me, okay, let me back up. Let me, let me say one thing about this because the genealogies, what, what people will say is that there are gaps in other biblical genealogies. We know this. Um, and so therefore there could be gaps in, in this genealogy. And if there are gaps in the in, in the genealogies of Genesis 5 and Genesis 11, then we can't trust that we can just add up those dates to give us earth history, right? So, so here's the thing. We know from Abraham to the time of Christ is about 2,000 years. Un, uncontroversial. Nobody denies that. We know from the time of Christ till now is obviously a little over 2,000 years. So there's about 4,000 years of earth history, okay? Now, if you add up the time in the genealogies that you get and you use the markers that are in there from the time of creation, you get another about 2000 or so years. And and so that's what the young earth creationist wants to really hone in on is that these, if we didn't have chronological information in these genealogies, then we would have no clue and it wouldn't matter. And there would be no, probably no such thing as a young earth creationist. um, other than the fact of the six days, um, in the beginning, but like this, this, these genealogies give us around a 2000 year time period that, um, pretty much, you know, for sure is, um, well, I guess I should say it bridges that gap. It lets us, it, it, it can give us a rough date for creation. Now, some people have actually tried to date creation. I don't want to go that far. Um, Uh, And most modern creationists don't want to either. But it's going to be somewhere in that six to 7,000 year time period if these genealogies are correct. Okay? Some people argue that the genealogies are not correct. They could have gaps in them. They could be like ancient Near Eastern. Some ancient Near Eastern geologies had kings living for 39,000 years and stuff like this. And they were obviously... Not living that long, and, and so they were they were obviously written for some sort of theological purpose. and so this this ties into the argument where, well, you know, back in the day we had people living to be nine hundred years old. Is that actually true? Because that doesn't fit on an old age slash evolutionary scenario. And so there are all these things going into people wanting to deny the genealogies and that the genealogies can be used for time, and that the ages of the patriarchs were what they say they were, okay? So, You can make this case for for gapless genealogies. This is just logic, just looking at it. So the narrative makes it clear that Seth was the actual son of Adam and Eve. That's Genesis 4.25. I'm just going to read this out for anybody who wants to go look this up. Okay, Seth was the actual son of Adam and Eve. Shem, Ham, and Japheth were the sons of Noah. That's Genesis 5.32, 6.10, 7.13, 9.18-27, and 10.1 and Abraham, Nahor, and Haran were the sons of Terah. That's Genesis uh, 11, 26, or 31. Second, the scripture indicates that the names of some patriarchs were almost certainly given to them by their actual fathers. This suggests that Seth was the actual son of Adam, Genesis 5, 3. Enos was the actual son of Seth, Genesis four twenty six. And Noah was the son of Lamech, Genesis five twenty Third, the distinguished uh, the distinct way in which the relationship between parent and child is related in Genesis 4:25 and 26 and 10:25 further suggests that Seth was the actual son of Adam and Eve, Enos the son of uh, the son of Seth, and Peleg and Joktan were the sons of Eber. Fourth, the fact that Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth and their wives were the only survivors of the flood and that Arphaxad was born only 2 years after the flood, Genesis 11:10 suggests that Arfaxad was actually, what a name, boy, Arfaxad was actually the son of Shem. 5th, June 14th, states that Enoch was the seventh generation from Adam. This suggests that no gaps exist in the Genesis 5 list between Adam and Enoch. Finally, the Hebrew name Methuselah is thought by some to mean when he dies, it will come, or when he dies, judgment. If one assumes that no gaps exist and that the numbers of Genesis 5 are correct, Methuselah's death is found to occur in the same year the flood began. This suggests that God may have waited for the death of Methuselah when he dies to bring judgment upon the earth. It shall come. This also suggests that the ages and years of at least the second half of Genesis 5 are complete and accurate. So, right so so as you as you start to tie all these strands together and i get i i you'd have to read that to like really let it all sink in and, and could probably compare it with the bible and all but like if, if what that's saying is true then it is 100 percent reasonable that we have closed genealogies not open genealogies and and that basically means that you can't insert major gaps of time here now what if you could there are a couple places that you could insert some gaps of time, And if you inserted a generation time of the most generous, being a thousand years, given the age of, of Methuselah and people like that, if you said you tried to ins- insert about a thousand years, th- the best you could do is get about ten thousand years out of this genealogy if you were super, super, super generous and were to put place you know put time in there where they could be, and used any sort of meaningful generation time. So, Dr. William Lynn Craig? just wrote a book on the historical Adam, wants to put Adam 700 to 800,000 years ago. <laughs> how? I mean, how are you going to do it? And his argument about the genealogies is, again, he'll go to other ancient Near Eastern king lists, which are not comparable, in my opinion. I mean, they're, you're going to compare some saying somebody was 600 years old with saying somebody was 30,000 years old and try to make some sort of comparison there. Like, no, one is obviously stretched, whereas this is... Reasonable, and I actually came just across uh, across um, a scripture the other day in the um, uh, in the account of Joseph um, and 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 Joseph and, and Jacob and and, his, and Jacob's other sons and, and having this conversation, and basically Jacob is talking to the Pharaoh at the time, and you know Pharaoh's asking him questions about this or whatever, and and Jacob at the time is like, uh, I'd have to look up the details to be exact, but he's like, you know, a hundred and 120, 29 or 39 years old or something like that. And he's like, now this is well into, again, Abrahamic, you know, well after Abraham when, when supposedly there was this, you know, the Bible got more normal after Genesis 11 is is basically how people want to put it. Right. Like, like they call Genesis one through 11, this prehistoric, um, ancient prehistory, um, time. And then they, they sort of count, the historical reportage of the Bible starting at with the life of Abraham, the accurate historical reportage. And they kind of make a distinction there. This is well into that time. And Jacob's telling Pharaoh, yeah, I'm like a hundred, it's either 120 or 139, you know, years old or something like that, but I have not yet attained to the age of my forefathers. Now, what that tells me is that again, regardless of whatever you think, it tells me that that Jacob believed that his forefathers, which when that terminology, the specific word forefathers," that's being used there, he's not even necessarily thinking of his grandfather, like his father or his grandfather. He's thinking about his family ancestors back even further than that, and so it's like at le- he at the very least believed that they did live these long ages, and so that's sort of internal biblical evidence uh, of a person who lives within you know what what most would be considered you know, good historical reporting that, uh, that, that they're worthy of long ages back in the days before, uh, before Abraham. So, um, and the last and final, which I have two other whole podcasts on in, in the podcast feed here that you can go back and listen to. So I won't re, you know, reinvent the wheel here, but basically is if you just kind of work backwards, it's really it, it, it incorporates the genealogies a little bit, but if you just sort of work backwards from the time of Christ, um, you can you can make this argument working backwards as well. If you would rather start with Jesus, you can sort of make the argument going backwards about how much time there was in between different events and uh, and end up with a again, a biblical time scale for Earth history that's somewhere around six to seven thousand years. So there's a lot of data that has to be explained away if. If we're going to latch on to the idea that we can fit millions and billions of years of time into the Bible, now let me just say, heck, that's uncomfortable because, right? Like you were even saying, like, yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards the you know, the progressive creation, maybe in the old age view, because it just makes so much sense to be able to, like, you know, match up, you know, in your mind, like, like, oh yeah, if they say there was a big bang, well, in the beginning, God created the image earth, like there, boom, big bang, but it's a lot more complicated than that. When you actually start to look at the statements of scripture you know you I, I don't you you don't get around trading some clarity and trading some frankly some trust I think in what the Bible says um in order to go with that and and so and you just have there's a, a video I'll end with this and let you ask questions and we can be done because I'm sure you got to go but but there's a video of Dr. Kurt Weiss who's the one that, that actually read his excerpt about the genealogies there for a while ago he's probably the most well respected science. Uh, scientist in in creationism uh, by his peers. I mean, he is he's, he's a paleontologist. He was given his uh, PhD by Stephen J. Gould, who was one of the most well-known paleontologists of the 20th century. Uh, and, and 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 Gould knew he was a creationist and gave him a, a PhD anyway because he was so honest with the data and so good at what he did that he was still deserving of it despite that huge disagreement. Try to get that to happen in academia today. Yeah, it doesn't. Um um people have to like assume aliases and stuff to it anyway it's crazy so um um right so i totally lost my train of thought where was I going with that this, where where was it going with that um right, yeah anyway um so oh 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 i know why so so dr wise again one of the most respected guys you know in, in the field or whatever he has got this great video on youtube um so he's a professor at Truett uh Truett mcconnell university pretty sure he's a, a leader there in the science department and uh he did a great presentation one time on on having faith and, and of course it was linked to his uh scientific work and, and so but you know basically there's there's a, a difficulty to simplify it here there's a difficulty in understanding necessarily the the evolutionary order things as it relates to development of of what are called intermediate uh wow. fossils so th- there seems to be fossils that look like wow. um what what evolutionists might call a transitional fossil and um and explaining those has been something that creationists have not necessarily fought with but like there's it, it's just a it's just a thing right it's it's a it's different creationists to different opinions on it etc and um and and so dr wise was troubled when he saw how well the evolutionary sort of order of things was when looking at the actual data, um, it's like, yeah, evolution makes these assumptions and it would turn out these data and we look at the physical world and it's like, oh, well, this is actually like, this looks pretty good. And so he was like, well, this this could be the kind of thing that could shake someone's faith if when they look at this evidence and they say, man, this, this looks like what the evolutionists are saying is true. And so he was like, well, you know, some people would just give up their faith right there. You know, this is what some people do. Oh, like, oh, the Bible's obviously wrong. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, whatever. He's like, you know, God has been my friend for, you know, however many years at this point. And it, you know, yeah, there's an investment in, in Christianity and part of Christianity calls you to faith. And so his, 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 he was basically a case study because he developed a very successful in creationist terms, theory called the floating forest theory um, that helped make sense of so much of the data. And in fact, this theory makes sense of more, it checks more data points and make, and explains more things better than the evolutionary sorting order of things. And basically the, the idea was that w- one, there was a huge part of the planet in the pre-flood world was a huge floating forest. And science is all about making predictions and you know, having a hypothesis. We don't have to have been there the fact is that if if this if this was true, if one of the ecological systems in the pre-flood world was a huge floating forest, then we have a good and better explanation for things than just saying evolution when it comes to some of these transitional forms and the position of those forms over and against other forms and even plants, um, certain kinds of plants and things in the in the um, in the ground that we find uh, buried in this post-flood world. So there's a huge there's something to say for, even if we don't have the answer now, have faith. Because the answer can and will come if we're meant to discover it. He points to Abraham and Sarah. God says, you're going to have a kid. Abraham says, God, you, you're off your rocker. Like, like, get in a home. Like, what are you talking about? We're too old to have kids. Like, it's not going to happen. And God created the nation of Israel through the miraculous you know, his miraculous intervention and what they laughed at, God did. And so, you know, it it, it is, there is a, a, a part of this that is just like, yeah, you know, it might be difficult that what, if this view of the Bible is true, it's not going to appeal very, very, very well to most scientific audiences in 2021. You know, that's true. It's not. But that doesn't mean that we can't explain much of the data. It doesn't mean that we can't explain it even better. And if somebody wants to mock us for believing the Bible, well, guess what? Jesus kind of said that was going to happen. Ah, uh, you know, sorry if it doesn't look so good on your resume, but Jesus said it was going to happen. That people weren't going to be down with you if you're if you're into what He teaches, you know, and uh, and, and so it, it shouldn't be surprising.